0: Welcome to the Freeform Rock Podcast. This is your host, frickin' Mark Taylor. Grab a beard, stay a while, and we do anything. We go from all genres, man. We go from grand to brand to Metallica. So party on, dude. Hi, welcome to the Freeform Rock Podcast. Today we have a special guest. Can you say your name? Because I suck at it.
1: <laughs> sure. My name is Michal Tauber. Hi. All right.
0: And uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, because I know you're a working musician, right?
1: Yes, I am. So I have been a professional musician for the last two decades, basically, and I am currently recording my 10th album, which will hopefully be done this year. And um, I am a mom of three young boys under the age of five. So that's kind of my my dual persona. I'm a mom by day, as you can hear my baby screaming in the background, (laughs) and rock star by night.
0: (laughs) Cool. Yeah, I've heard some of your stuff you sent me. It's really awesome. Thank you. Yeah, I love uh, I love talking to musicians. I'm a, like a wannabe musician. I'm not a musician, but I've always wanted to be. My mom wouldn't give me drums, so it's her fault. So I blame her. She made made me try to uh, play the uh, clarinet, and I pissed in it and gave it back to her. So that was it.
1: <laughs> it's never too late, though. You could take up the drums now.
0: I got a shoulder problem. <laughs> oh, no.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, I might try a guitar. But I like drums. Drums are my passion. I love Neil Peart of Rush. That's my favorite band. So uh, drums have always been my thing.
1: <laughs> and now we're gonna talk about a record that only has fake drums on it, basically.
0: Yeah. Well, it's cool though, because it's it's very, very intense album
2: though.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna talk about Nine Inch Nails, the Down, Nine Inch Nails, the Down, Downworld Spiral. You know, like- I, I got into, how did you get into Nine Inch Nails?
2: Um,
1: I was going through that kind of very anti-everything, angst-filled teenage phase, and it looked like it was really going to piss my parents off from the album packaging and all the explicit warning stickers on it. And I decided to give it a try. Brought it home and actually hated it the first time that I listened to it because it was such a challenging listen sonically. It sounded like a subway train going by in my ears. And it took me a couple of listens to really get into it. And it kind of expanded my brain. And now it's one of my two favorite albums of all time that and um, Nevermind by Nirvana.
0: <laughs> wow, I got into this album. I got into this group from the first album, Pretty Hate Machine with Head Like a Hole. A video was played all over MTV. I go, this is freaking awesome. I loved it. <laughs> so <laughs> when this album came out, I wasn't really receptive to it because it was really different than Pretty Hate Machine. I kind of got into it a couple years later after it came out. And so it was really different because my friend was playing. I said, well, this is actually good. I like Pretty Hate Machine, but this one was weird because <laughs> <laughs> they were totally dip- different albums. So... Um,
1: yeah, this one's a lot darker. Yeah, it's much a, lot, it's a very lot
0: darker. Plus, he moved into uh what Sharon Tate's house to record it?
1: Yeah. <laughs> a very very dark album. And you know, it's supposed to be a descent into suicide and madness. So, pretty heavy themes.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: And then we get into track 1, uh, Mr. Self-Destruct. What do you think about this song?
1: Well, I think it's a great way to kick off the album. It's definitely very high energy. Um, and I think one of the main motivating emotions of this record is aggression and this song really sets the tone for that. Um, aggression towards, you know, institutions and society as a whole but also aggression against yourself and just wanting to, you know, self-destruct. So you really feel that in this song and um, like I said the first time that I heard it it was a very challenging listen for me. It sounded like a subway train going by, but once I got into it I really, you know, started appreciating the amount of emotion and pain that's in this song
0: and you really feel that come across. Yeah, I, I feel the same way about this song. It's like, it just kicks off the album really, really aggressive. And when I first heard it like you, I was like, what? Cause I was used to head like a hole, you know, just like kicking ass shit. And this is like, what the hell is going on? I'm hearing all this going, oh, I'll listen to this later. And I never did till my friends started playing it. Yeah, I really like this song. And then we get into, but a thing I have to say about a lot of these songs on this album, they sound better on the live album. (laughs) They're they're
1: great live bands. They really and they perform. Um, One thing that I love about Mr. Self Destruct and the way the album kicks off is it starts with that like whipping sound, you know, like it doesn't just launch right into the the song. And I really love the way he constructs his records where it's a whole unit. Um, This was supposed to be like his answer to the wall, you know? And you really feel that it's like a concept album and there's all these like interstitials between songs and instrumental pieces. And when that comes in in the beginning with that whipping sound and then it kind of launches into the song, it's just so cool. Like, I don't know many other records that start that way, you
0: know? No, uh, Trent Reznor is a genius, man. People look back on him and go, whoa. (laughs) He came up with some, he's like the David Bowie of the nineties, you know?
1: (laughs) Totally. Well, I think Dave Grohl said he's like the, the best, Musician, most talented and and smartest musician of our generation that's still writing and recording. So, <laughs> yeah.
0: and then we get into track two, Piggy. What do you think about this one?
1: This is one of my favorite songs of all time. Um, I think the production on this song it's genius. It sounds so simple, um, and sonically it's so open, but actually, when you deconstruct it, it's, it's very complex. And um, I'm working on my record now, which is supposed to be an answer to the downward spiral, and every song is gonna kind of mirror a song on this album. And I was listening to this song and making my producer, engineer, co-collaborator listen to it. And he was like, there's three different snare so- sounds on this song. You know, like when it first starts out, there's one, and then in the middle, they add in another one. And by the end, where it breaks down into that crazy drum fill, Um, There's another snare sound, so it sounds very simplistic, but it's deceptive. There's so many different layers, and the way that they constructed the sonic palette, they left it very open. It's like this very um, aggressive, brittle, dark sonic palette, but there's a lot of space still. So you don't feel like, even though there's so many different layers, it's not overwhelming. Um, And I just love the way that the song builds. And at the end where it just explodes and falls apart with those crazy drums, I think it's amazing. And I think it's all programmed drums, too. I don't think any of it's live. But it sounds it has a very live feel, the way it kind of explodes and falls apart.
0: Yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah, he used all electronics on this. I don't think he used any guitars, really, on this album. He just wanted to make an ambience album of aggression. And I, I really like this song. There's not one song on this album I don't like. This is a really cool song, but like I said, the live versions kick way more ass. <laughs> and that's a sign of a good musician right there. They could pull it off live. They're awesome. There's a lot of bands out there that can't. And then we get into the next song, which is one of my favorite songs, even though I don't really like hearing God is dead, but <laughs> I like it. I think it's Heresy? Hearsay? Yeah, I think that's oh, it.
1: Yeah, heresy, heresy.
0: Heresy. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um. Yeah, this this is a funny song. I remember listening to this in high school and replacing the lyrics. So instead of being, um, God is dead and no one cares, if there is a hell, I'll see you there, we would say, Hunter High is hell, I'll see you there. (laughs) (laughs) So this is kind of like our our anthem. Um, But again, this is a very like, very energetic, straightforward. Sorry, I'm just, I'm Googling. I want to bring up the track list so I can see it. But yeah, I just, I love the energy in this song. And I love all the different voices that he uses in this song too. Like he has the the high harmonies and it almost sounds like he's playing different characters. And that adds to the whole feeling of like a descent into madness and the voices in your head. It's not just one voice. It's all these different characters that he's playing. Um, So yeah, I, I like this song a lot. This is actually probably not one of my favorite songs on the record, but I, I do appreciate it. Um, I think part of the reason that it's not like one of my favorite songs is I think it's kind of a um, an answer to organized religion and kind of rebelling against that. And for me, I've, I've, I'm I'm Jewish, um, but I'm not really like a practicing. Jew. Um, i mean i believe in god but religion has never been really forced upon me and i've never felt oppressed by religion and so i've never felt that need to kind of rebel against organized religion that i think some of these songs have um so for for that reason it's lyrically not something that i really responded to but i i do like the aggression in this song
0: yeah i love the aggression and the thing is i i try to look up the song and see what he was thinking but as this this is an album of an A guy who's going into suicide so when you're into suicide and depression you don't think anybody's there so you're of course you're gonna say God is dead no one cares you know because he's feeling like he's he's by himself you know so I get this song a little bit but I don't like hearing God is dead because I am a Christian but I don't belong to any organized religion I don't believe in organized religion I just believe in the Bible (laughs) that's it So I, I like this song a lot, I like the aggression, but the next song, uh, number four, March of the Pigs, is one of my favorites, especially the live version on the live album. I freaking love this song, man. What do you think about March of the Pigs?
1: Yeah, I think this is an amazing song, and I agree with you. I think the way that he performs this live is really powerful, especially when he has that like false ending, the first time that he ends with the piano, doesn't it make you feel better? Yeah. And then there's like this pregnant pause, and then everything just comes back in so aggressive and so hard. Um, and I love that the way that he plays with the, um, the organic piano um, throughout this record. And, and then on one song, there's an acoustic guitar that comes in and everything else on the record is so electronic and mechanical and not organic. So when he does have those elements that come in, it's really interesting and shocking. Um, I also, I really love the way That Trent Reznor plays with um, silence and um, like whispering. And that's something that's not used that much in pop rock music. When I think of the construction of like a pop rock song, you just keep building the energy. You start with the verse, and then the first chorus is a little bit more, and then the second verse is a little bit more, and then the chorus is more, and then the bridge is like the biggest part of the song, and then you have like crazy choruses out. And he kind of does the anti-that where when he gets to a bridge, he'll like suck all the energy out of it and it'll be like empty. And sometimes like a whisper is so much more powerful than a scream and so he alternates between having that like crazy energy and then having just like a break, a sonic break where you, where nothing is, where nothing is happening. So I really appreciate that and I think this song is a really good example of that where he has that break and then everything just comes back in and like destroys you. And I really have no idea what the song is about actually because I thought that it was like um, just an I Hate Everybody aggression song, but I was reading an interview with Trent, and um, this is going to like make me sound like a super crazy fan, but um, I've read like every interview I <laughs> and they asked him to free associate the three words that he most associated with sex in the interview, and they were like bite, suck, and lick, and they're all in this song. And so it makes me think that it's like an aggressive, like, sex song, but I don't really know um, if that's what it is. So I don't really know what it's about, but I really like it.
0: <laughs> I thought it was about the government or something.
1: <laughs> it hopefully could be. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I, I like this song a lot. I like the aggression, and I never thought about the the whisper thing, but that, that's really cool. I like that. I, I like songs that actually, like, what, you start off slow, and you build up, and you go back to slow, and then you just go crazy. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I hate I hate a song that just keeps going straight through the whole beat, like today's pop music, like Miley Cyrus or something. That just irritates the crap out of me. I just wish there was musicianship again, and... You know, she has a good voice, she sang with Billy Idol the other night, and she sounded really good with him, and I, I see all these pop stars like Fergie and Miley, that could rock out, and I wish they would.
1: <laughs> totally, yeah, yeah. I agree with that. Um... Yeah, I mean, Trent Reznor is kind of the whole package, right? He's a songwriter and he's a musician and he's a producer and he's able to hear these crazy arrangements and really push music forward and do innovative things. And I think a lot of people are very talented, but they don't have the ability to do all of those things. Like a Miley Cyrus, she might have an amazing voice and and be a really charismatic performer, but she might not be able to create a work from beginning to end and create really um, crazy dynamics and interesting, innovative things. She might need a partner to
0: help her. (laughs) Well, that's when you get someone like Trent Reznor to producer.
1: <laughs> totally. Well, that would be an interesting matchup.
0: <laughs> Bob Ezrin. You know, there's a lot of great producers out there. Even Dave Grohl could probably do something with her. <laughs> that would
1: be cool. I would definitely yeah. like to see
0: that. <laughs> and then we get to track number five, which is the huge uh, song on this album. And it was really edited for MTV. <laughs> so what do you yes. think of Fuck Closer?
1: I actually think that this is a genius pop song. And I... I think this song is so intelligent. Um, you know, we all think of, obviously, the the lyrics on the chorus, which were very edgy at the time that it came out. Now it's kind of not that shocking, because every every song has crazy, explicit lyrics in it. But at the time, it was very shocking. And I think it's a testament to how good the songwriting is, actually, that MTV played that video, albeit, albeit a very um, edited version of it. But they still played it. And the radio played that song constantly, because it was just so catchy and undeniable. And when you break it down and you take away those lyrics. Oops. It's constructed. Um, I loved this song when I was a teenager because I knew that it pissed off my parents. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's all of our goals as teenagers. Um, at least it was mine. And I think the music video to the song is amazing. Um, I really liked the way that they they made something that was very suggestive, but yet it was still kind of highbrow. You know, like it referenced all of these um, art history big names, and um, you know it referenced the work of Joel Peter Witkin and, and Bacon and all these different um, different artists, rather than just going with something that was like bondage and and sexual and over the top and really explicit. It was it was more suggestive and more highbrow than that. Um, and I just think it's a great
0: song. <laughs> yeah, it's a great song. I liked it in the video where the heart just goes with the beat. Yeah,
1: that There's was awesome. iconic images from that video. Yeah, it's like it's
0: like it's like, it's like music. Fun. You know, beats in your heart. You totally. know, the. I love the song. I didn't know the, the the original lyrics, so I eventually got the album. I didn't. Know. He said, "Fuck." I want it. you want to. <laughs> 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 I want it to bring me closer to God, and I go, "Wow." I go this song is awesome. I love it. And then we get to song number six, Ruiner. What do you think about this one?
1: Ruiner. Okay, so this is another one that um, Wasn't like one of my favorite songs on the record. Um, the one thing that I do really like about it is all of the different voices and and the different characters that he played Um And obviously one of the things that I love about Trent Reznor is his voice. I think he doesn't have, well actually that's not true, I think he does have a really technically amazing voice and he uses his voice in a really interesting way. He's just a powerhouse and he's able to scream like no one else and not destroy his voice, which I still haven't figured out how he does that. Um, I'm a vocal coach also, that's what I do on the side and I've been trying to train myself to have that gravelly scream. and it's there's no way to scream without damaging your voice, and yet he's been doing it for years, and I think there's something anatomical with his voice that he's able to do that and not just blow it out. Um, and I also just love the emotional quality of his voice. That you can really hear how in pain he is, or you know when he's singing something that um, is very vulnerable that a lot of male singers probably wouldn't sing lyrically. Um, that really comes across in his voice, and he's able to kind of, Play with that and and um, access like he he's kind of he he walks the line between the masculine and the feminine too in a lot of his songs in a very creative way the way that David Bowie did um, he's kind of gender bending in that sense and that he's not this like straightforward um, alpha male kind of lyricist so he's not afraid to like be feminine and be soft and be vulnerable in a lot of his lyrics and then he also has this like very masculine aggressive side and so i really love the way that he plays with his voice and the way that he plays with his lyrics and i think this song is a really good example of how he's able to use his voice in so many different ways from from a whisper to all the way to a scream and all the dynamics in between
0: yeah i really love the good scream he does man and i like his whispers and this song is good i like it it's not one of my favorites off the album but it i agree with what you said about it and the thing about the the screaming there's a one of my favorite singers is michael uh michael sweet of striper he's over 50 years old and he could still go and i'm like he even plays with it on his facebook live he goes can i still do this and he goes (laughs) (laughs) yeah i I like people who could keep their voices i wish robert plant could have kept his that would have been awesome (laughs) his voice is dust and jeff tate of queens you know people like the high tenors, man, they they don't really have it anymore, but some people are able to keep it, and I hope Trent keeps his, man, because his screams are just awesome.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, he's been around for a long time, and he's still doing it. I mean, his voice has definitely changed, I would say, from Pretty Hate Machine to now. It's gotten a lot deeper, um, Mm -hmm. but he still seems like his voice hasn't been damaged a lot, so it's pretty impressive that he could do that. I would love to take a screaming lesson from him one day.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's all from the, the palette, right? <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> and then you get uh, track number seven, The Becoming. What do you think of this song?
1: I think this is a great song. I love this idea of being, like, turning into a machine and um, basically going from somebody that's, that is human and is able to feel to going to somebody who's, like, a, a machine and doesn't feel anything. And um, nice. I think part of being depressed and descending into madness and wanting to commit suicide, as you stop being able to feel things, you know? You feel things so intensely, that then you have to numb yourself and you're not able to feel things anymore. And I think this is kind of a metaphor for that, that he went from somebody who was feeling things so intensely that he had to almost become a machine and, and get rid of all of that human emotion in order to just exist. Um, and so that's that's kind of what the song means to me lyrically. And this is another example of that um, that, dynamic where he sucks all the energy out in the middle of the song and he has that really beautiful acoustic guitar section um, that Hiding backwards inside of me I feel so afraid that part is so unexpected where it goes from something that's so mechanical it almost sounds like that last scene in the Terminator with all these machines opening and closing and, and all this craziness and then it all sucks down and it's so intimate and quiet and organic and i think that's really beautiful that he can have that dynamic range on this song i think that's powerful
0: yeah i agree. i agree he has one of the most unique voices in, in music you know you, it's like certain people you can say oh that's that that's who that's it that's it there's uh, a lot of today's music is very very monotonous it's like you can't really tell who's singing anymore it's like on the radio you have to say who is this again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's like that's why i don't listen to radio i put all my music on my iphone and jam it in my car or i listen to satellite but i i like this song and i agree with what you said about it and then we get to track number eight i do not want this what do you think about this one
1: um i think this is a really interesting track um i believe that these lyrics um were from a journal when he he was just journaling about being depressed and wanting to commit suicide and then he ended up using the lyrics in the song um, and he has all these like whispered lyrics going on and all these different sonic layers and um, I think it's it's a really interesting peek into his mind and how transparent he is with his own struggles with depression and everything else and so that's that's I thought that was very groundbreaking for an artist to be that honest about um you know having mental illness and being depressed and all that kind of stuff and especially for a male artist to kind of admit to being that vulnerable it was really interesting um so I appreciate that on that level
0: Yeah this song this the song was cool and I liked it a lot and what you said about it just took all the words out of my mouth. So it's a really good song, but the next song, big man with a gun, what do you think of this? This is like the shortest song on the album, but it got the, like a lot of controversy on it though.
1: Totally. Well, um, I think, you know, this song is so funny to me in a way, because it is that kind of like alpha male. If you just read it straight on its face, it's this like alpha male, I'm going to dominate you. I'm a big man, blah, blah, blah. But like, I think that it's it plays on multiple levels, um, and it's funny because when I think about Trent Reznor, he's like a very small person. If you remember, he's like five seven, and like um, I feel like a lot of these these rock stars are these teeny little guys. Like Kurt Cobain also was like five four, you know. And so when you like meet them in real life, they're like these little diminutive kind of people. And then he's singing this song where he's like, "I'm a big man, I've got a big dick," blah blah blah. So it's like. <laughs> And, and it's such a like alpha male kind of jock sentiment and and on the other hand, he you know is able to kind of play with that masculine feminine line in other places and be very vulnerable and be very soft and, and more feminine. so to have that juxtaposition is really interesting. Um, but I just think it's a great song too. It's very high energy, and when they perform it live, it's just like you know the thing that I love about their live performances is that they bring the energy 100% for the whole time. And if they're performing for like an hour and a half, they never stop. And you know, they have like, that same interview that I was reading, they said that they like took Robin Fink, the guitar player off the stage on a stretcher and had to give him oxygen, because like that's how hard he was playing during that concert. And like, they toured I think for two years straight before he made this record and were playing like 200 shows a year. And the fact that he was able to do that You know whether he was being fueled by cocaine or whatever I don't know but like he was he brought it every single night and and every show was like amazing and actually when I run I like to watch live shows and a lot of times I'll put on a Nine Inch Now show from like the 90s because the energy is so amped and you could just run the entire time and you feel like you can really get amped up from the the performance because they're so um, they just bring it
0: Yeah, they do. I I haven't seen a live performance, but I've listened to the live albums, and I really like like them live. But this song had a little controversy in it with a uh, Senator Bob Dole, thinking really? that he was that they were going after the Republican conservatives with this song, and oh. then uh, he had to explain himself, and then Bob Dole looked like an idiot. So <laughs> that's really funny. And I I'm a conservative, but I don't like. I'm in the middle of everything. I don't like politics. I just want someone who loves America. That's it.
1: <laughs> well, politics uh, don't even get me started i mean yeah. this election is crazy it's like people are so so negative and and people you know everybody at the end of the day just wants what's best for the country and and we feel like we don't really have a good representative at the moment on either side so it's i don't little- think
0: either one of them are good but i'm just going for the least of the worst <laughs> yeah. <just> yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah
0: and then we go to track 10 a warm place what do you think of this one
1: well, this is one of the instrumental tracks um, on the record. And I, I just think that he um, is a genius. <laughs> and everything that he does is amazing. And one of the things that I love about Nine Inch Nails is that they don't just give you a record. He will remix everything and give you alternate versions and, and all these different instrumental tracks. And he doesn't just you know, put out a song for a single sake or whatever. It's like a piece of art, the whole album holds together, and all the interstitials make sense, and um, it's really like he creates a whole universe, and when you're listening to this record, it transports you, and you, if you listen to it from beginning to end, it really is a journey, and I think this this track is one of those um, tracks that really ties things together, and even though it's not like a, a radio single or whatever, it still is a really important piece of the record.
0: Yeah, I, I love instrumentals. I listen to a lot of instrumental artists like uh, Joe Saturani, and Steve Vai and, and people like that so I really get into instruments it took me a while because I remember when I first bought my first instrumental album because my friend said Joe Satriani surfing with the alien it was awesome and I kept fast forwarding where are the lyrics, where are the lyrics, where are the lyrics so I got irritated at it and then I went back to a couple of years later and I go oh this is awesome <laughs> he's singing with his guitar you know I didn't notice that at first I was looking for songs but this is, and then I didn't realize that you could make a song with the same emotion with no lyrics you know it was awesome yeah, I like this song too, and you're right, it does tie the album together. Then we get to track number 11, Eraser. What do you think of this one?
1: Um, so this one, hold on, I'm opening the lyrics. Okay, so this one is has very minimal lyrics, um, but it also, I think, It's not a single, obviously, on the record, but I think it's a very important piece of the record. And it's part of that descent into madness. And um, at the end, he's just screaming, full-on screaming. And I think the emotional content is what's important in this song. Um, I'm just opening the lyrics here. Sorry. Yeah, so there's like there's practically no words on this one. It's basically uh, instrumental. It's just him screaming over and over again, killing <laughs> at the end. So, you know, it's, it's a very good example of him kind of descending into madness and being suicidal. And, and, and by the end, he's just full gore screaming at the top of his lungs. And, and, and um, that emotional content in his voice is so powerful and so moving.
0: Yeah, his voice is a great instrument. Uh, he really shows a lot of emotion with it up and down with it, scream whisper like you were talking about yeah i like this song too and then we get to song number 13 the downward spiral the title track of the album what do you think of this one i
1: think we i think we skipped
0: reptile oh reptile oh my bad (laughs) i had my cursor on reptile okay reptile song number 12 (laughs) i did this on the last podcast i skipped a song we had to go back
2: (laughs)
1: So I think this is a great song. I think this is um one of the really great songs on the record and um it's it's one of those songs that like closer it's it could be taken as a love song but it also is like almost this like ugly juxtaposition between like worshipping somebody who's like a disgusting person. You know what I mean? Like he, he talks about the chorus is, Oh, my beautiful liar. Oh, my precious whore, my disease, my infection. I am so impure. So it's like, it's like a love song in that you like need somebody and you're so obsessed with them. But at the end of the day, they're like lying to you and they have all these lovers and they're like a disgusting person. And it's the same as closer in a sense, because, um, closer kind of became this, Titty bar anthem, right? That like yeah. um, <laughs> that was always played in like um, these these strip clubs. And Trent Reznor actually was very upset about that, and was like, "That wasn't my intent. It wasn't even really a love song. It was supposed to be this like disgusting, broken down person who's like so perverted and like at the lowest possible place that they can be. And then they're like, "Take me as I am," and and that's kind of the sentiment of that song, you know? So it's like this very ugly song that then was taken as this like sexy, over the top love song that people like strip to, you know. So, for me, this this um, reptile lyrically reminds me of Closer in that sense. That it could be taken as a love song, but the lyrics, if you actually get into them, they're like so like dirty and like just filthy and like gross, you know. So, um, I mean, it's the whole record is just about like him getting to his lowest point and just feeling like he's like a disgusting, useless waste of space and, and doesn't deserve to exist anymore. And like lyrically, this is what that song feels like to me. Um, and it also has one of those like suck down bridges where it's like very, very quiet. Um, so yeah, I think it's a really cool song. <laughs>
0: cool, yeah. You know so much about this these songs, I barely know, I just know what I listen to. I'm not a musician, you could break it down better than I have. That's why I wanted you on, my, on the podcast, because I just go, man, this is a great song. I like the way it makes me feel. And it's kind of like he said, uh, the girl tells you to love you, and then she really doesn't. She's doing all this crap. I've had two wives like that, so I kind of relate to this song now. Back then, no. Because
1: <laughs> things mean different things at different points in your life, right? When you have different life experience.
0: Yeah. And then we get to the title track again, the downward spiral. What do you think of this one?
1: Um, so I, I think this is a really cool song. Um, I also think that, I just think instrumentals are so important in the Nine Inch Nails catalog and they even had that album Ghosts that was like all instrumentals. And if you listen to the instrumentals on like different speakers, you hear different things and there's just so many different layers, um, to the music. Um, and so I really appreciate the song on that level, and every I probably listen to this album a hundred times, and every time I listen to it, I hear something, something new. Um, and I think this is the one where he's he starts screaming at the end, um, and and so it really is like it, you come to the the bottom of the spiral at this point, and he's really suicidal, and the emotional content is really building to that climax of, of the suicide. So.
0: It's very emotional <laughs> yeah it's a very emotional I, I like it and i like their instrumentals and the thing is you said about layers i i i know pop music is basically electronic why can't they you could put humanity in electronic music but they don't it's just like let's make money and let's do this course that everybody does oh, 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 oh you know and it's <laughs> like come on man just because you want to hear something familiar your fans to hear something familiar that thousands of artists do now, <laughs> you know?
1: Yeah, well my engineer was saying that every pop record now, they use the same samples and he can identify exactly what the sound is, you know? And like nobody makes their own sounds anymore. And Trent Reznor was, is really great in that sense where he'll actually take like a field recorder and go record something and make his own sound. So it's something that's unique that you won't hear anywhere else. And there's, there's so much more character and soul to something that you make yourself rather than just sampling out of a, a package or whatever, you know?
0: That's kind of what old hip hop did, like Beastie Boys, Run DMC, you know, uh, those bands, uh, they they made their own sounds and they made their own samples. And it's like today you just hear Beastie Boys (laughs) samples and everybody's saying Run DMC. It's like terrible. (laughs) And then we get to the Johnny Cash song. No, the the last song on the album, Hurt. (laughs) What do you think about this one?
1: I think this is an amazing song, um, and it's iconic, and that's why so many people have covered it, and obviously Johnny Cash being one of the most recognizable one, but um, there's just so much emotion in this track, and um, I think the production is amazing when he has that, that acoustic guitar that comes in, that da na 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 like, drone that comes in, um, and the production on the song is so simple. There are very few elements, but it really is powerful um and just so painful the lyrics and and it's something that i think is it's it's probably one of the best like i'm in pain songs ever written i mean i don't know how many of those there are but like this is just an amazing example of being in pain and being vulnerable and being really honest about it and um it's a it's a powerful transporting experience when you see him perform the song, because you can tell when he wrote it, he was really in pain and he was really honest about that.
0: Yeah, and and he said something about this, he said, man, Johnny Cash did this song better than I did. Well, sometimes
2: that
1: happens, right? Like, look at Jeff Buckley's Hallelujah. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. like, when I think about that song, that's the iconic version of that. Sometimes people cover songs and they just bring out something and they make it so their own, you know?
0: It's oh. like Van Halen with, you really got me. You don't really think of the Kinks version anymore. <laughs> you think of David Lee Roth, you know. So um, do you have any things to promote?
1: Yeah, I have a bunch of projects that I'm doing. I'm all over the place. So I have three things to promote. Um, the main one is my album that I'm recording now, and I'm working with Dave Marino, who's my um, co-collaborator. He's kind of my Atticus Ross, um, if I'm going to say that I'm Trent Reznor. <laughs> 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 but, um, so that album... The Downward Spiral was supposed to be an homage to The Wall, and so now 20 years later my album is my homage to The Downward Spiral, and every track on my album is going to track one of the songs on this album. Um, so like for Closer, I have a song called The Little Light Bondage, which is my homage, and it's probably going to be our lead, our single, and we're going to do a video for it. Um, and so I'm working on that now, and I'm hoping that it'll be done sometime this year. Um, and then I also was just in New Orleans recording an EP with Dave Perner from Soul Asylum. Oh, and, nice! I like that. Yeah, it. so I'm really excited about that. We did four songs. We co-wrote and recorded them together, um, and so that's in the works as well. And I don't know exactly when we're going to release that or how, but it'll get out there sometime. Um, and then I'm also doing a television show. Um, we're doing a pilot right now, and it's a reality show that's following my making this record and the the funny dichotomy between my being like suburban mommy and trying to be a rock star at the same time. So that's in the works as well, and hopefully everything will come together soon. But you know, I'm a part-time rock star because I'm a full-time mommy, so everything takes a long time.
0: <laughs> yeah, the songs I've heard from you are really badass, and I. You have nine more albums out? Where, where can you pick those up at?
1: I do. So I've been um, recording since I was 13, and so I have a bunch of stuff out there. You can find me on iTunes, you can find me on Spotify, all the places that the kids listen to music these days. Um, I guess my, my Columbia album is Sky With Stars. That was the one that I released first. And then I've got um, Desireless, um, Love Sick. Uh, One Immortal Day, I did a side project, Magic Cat, that was all electronic and was about a cartoon character cat. So you can find that online. <laughs> <laughs> I've dabbled in a lot of different things. So you can look for me on online and um, my new album is gonna be under the name Key. So as you can see, I have a giant key around my neck. Yep. Um, that's kind of my, my new persona. <laughs> well,
0: me, I, I buy the physical copies because I think streaming rips off you, you guys, the artists, you guys don't really make much money off streaming. so. I suggest everybody go buy physical copies if they can't get it on iTunes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm on CD Baby so there are physical copies of most of my records and we are going to do a physical package of the new record because I, like you, I love having a physical copy of a CD. I think it's, it has more soul than just a download.
0: <laughs> I love opening it, reading the liner notes, seeing you produced it, seeing you played on it, you know, I like, I like that stuff. I get upset when I open an album like the Rival Sons album. There's no lyrics. Like, what the hell, man? Go, <laughs> <laughs> you give me a little, like vinyl thing, but there's no lyrics on the sleeve.
1: <laughs> yeah, I want I want my record to be like a full sensory experience. So there will be visuals. There will be a whole photography and and uh, music video element that goes along with it. So it won't just be a, a download. It'll be that whole sensory experience. And I will include lyrics.
0: <laughs> cool. Um, so, do um, you have any uh, suggestions for uh, the, the people listening to the show, like an album to go check out?
1: Oh, good question. Um, I've recently gotten into d which I know I'm, I'm a little bit late on that whole um, on that whole trip, but I don't know if, if everybody else is listening to them, but I, I really like their whole image and how crazy they are. So that's something that my producer, Dave Marino, turned me on to. Um, and it's a whole different like, genre of music out of South Africa, and it's very cool. So I would check that out.
0: <laughs> cool. How about you? What are you listening to right now? Uh, I've been listening to the new Operation Mindcrime uh, album. It's uh, Jeff Tate's uh, break-off from Queensryche. And uh, it's the uh, second of a trilogy of albums he's making. The first one was The Key. And it's really wow. interesting because the first five songs were basically instrumentals with a little spoken word on it. Kind of bored me for a while, but maybe if I listen to the first album, it probably that's the middle album, so it probably takes off where the first album left off. So, and then the six to fourteen or have songs on it, and I like it. <laughs> wow, I'm gonna
1: check that out. That sounds really interesting, and it's called the Key, so you know. It's yeah, great.
0: the first album. It's the group is Operation <laughs> Mindcrime. They have two albums out. I forget what the new album's called now. <laughs> I just got it in the mail. I've been listening to it. Hold on, let me look at my. I don't have it on my iPhone yet. I've been listening to it on the CD in the car. It's, it's, oh, it's called, uh, uh, I think it's called Resurrection, the second album. It's Resurrection, the first album is called The Key, second is Resurrection, and the third album will be coming out next year, the wow. completion to the trilogy. He's really cerebral, but he did ruin Queensryche at the end, <laughs> kind of make him sound like King Floyd. You know, that band had was great. You know, I don't know if you ever heard the album Operation Mindcrime
1: have not that's like I'm-
0: a that's like a concept album that's a really good album they have operation Mindcrime crime one and two really good really good album you should check those out if you like it's just talking about operation mind crime how this kid is brainwashed to go kill for the order it's really good and he even kills his girlfriend who was a, a a whore because the dr x professor dr x says go kill mary he goes mary hey it's really really good album talks about how he's on drugs, a, a song called The Needle Lies, where it goes, don't ever trust, don't ever trust a needle, it lies, <laughs> you know. <laughs> that
1: sounds really good.
0: Really, really dark <laughs> album. And, and at the end, he, he's waking up in the same, in the beginning, he wakes up in the same asylum. And at the end, he, he goes, in the beginning, he goes, I remember now. I don't remember what they told me, but I remember what I did. And uh, it's awesome. At the end, he says he doesn't believe in love. This, well, one of the good singles, out of it, he goes, I don't believe in love. Or um, the eyes of a stranger. He goes when I when I raise my head and stare, I see the eyes of a stranger. Really great lyrics. You should check it out. I'm gonna I'm gonna
1: listen to that when I go on my treadmill today. Yeah, that sounds right up my alley. Because you know my record is actually gonna be about um, my my cyclothymia mood disorder. So it's kind of mm. like downward spiral in the sense that it's like a descent into madness. But mine is like the highs and the lows. You know. The, yeah, they- the-
0: the mania and the crash. <laughs> yeah, this guy gets brainwashed and it—it's it, really cool. You even hear telephone calls where it goes, Minecrime, Minecraft. Crime. He goes, "Hello, Minecrime, Minecraft." <laughs> and then, like, it tells Professor X. He says, "You're the hitman for the order. We come to find a cure. <laughs> You're a one-man hit machine. Make the city bleed." <laughs> and he says, "You know, you can't refuse because we got so much to do." You know, it's a great, great, great cerebral album. It's in the in right up there with the wall for me. It's really great. I like it better than the wall. Well,
1: I'm going to check it out. That is a really cool review and endorsement. Now I'm going (laughs) to listen to it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, uh, and also at the end I play three songs. Your three favorite songs from this album are? Ooh, um,
1: my three favorite songs from this album are definitely Piggy, Closer, and Mm -hmm. It's hard to choose. I guess I'm going to say, well, I don't want to say hurt because everybody, I think reptile would be my
0: favorite. <laughs> okay. got it. And I thank you for coming on here and uh, maybe we'll do a Soul Asylum album next because I really like them.
1: That would be awesome. Maybe we can get Dave to Skype in, although he's kind of anti-technology. But
0: <laughs> yeah, he was on the Eddie Trunk podcast.
1: Oh yeah. <laughs> Eddie
0: Trunk's like metal hard rock, but he really digs Soul Asylum. So he had him on there. It's pretty cool. You awesome. go listen to it on his podcast.
1: Well thank you so much for having me. This was really fun. And you're you're just like an encyclopedic knowledge of music, so it's really cool to get to talk to you and hear
0: hear your thoughts. <laughs> I felt really stupid about this this album. No, you knew so much about it. <laughs> All right, thank you and um, have fun and be careful picking up your kids. <laughs> I will.
1: Thank you so much. All right, bye. Bye bye.
2: You let me violate you You let me desecrate
0: kick-ass tracks now i want to promote some podcasts and friends of mine the combat rock and metal podcast with dr. fuck Rafiera, and um, ian wadley wadzilla go listen to them on podbean and itunes and also the decibel geek with chris and aaron and also the Terrence and friends podcast my former buddy and uh... friend i, I want to promote them the one-on-one with Mitch Lafon, focus on metal and um... of the trunk Podcast. Man. You guys have a kick-ass day and take